unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? I want to preach a little while of the help of the Lord tonight and a message God's laid in my heart. What are you going to do with Jesus? Now I need you a bunch of white people to help me. What are you going to do with Jesus? It's really the only question that matters. What a great gospel text right here. Come to Calvary's passage of Scripture. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? I have three questions for you, and I'm only going to deal with one of them, but I want to lay all three of them on the table. And I invite you pastors to go back and preach it Sunday morning. Three questions. This comes from an old Methodist preacher. I don't know who he is, but someone gave me word of an old Methodist preacher preaching. Them old-timey Methodists had the shout. Can I get a witness right there? Before they started hiring women preachers and other such, letting other versions of the Bible come in. Three questions for you. What, number one, what are you going to do with Jesus? Number two, what are you going to do without Jesus? I'll never get to that one, so... What are you going to do without Jesus when the storms of life break out on you? What are you going to do without Jesus when you stand at the threshold of eternity, death creeping up on you and life walking away from you, look out there into nothing but eternity and a God of judgment, a God of glory? What are you going to do without Jesus? What are you going to do without Him at the judgment bar? The best works you can deliver up, honey, ain't even going to come close. It's only one work that ever counted to God. That's the finished work of Christ on Calvary's cross. What are you going to do without Jesus? Number three, what is Jesus going to do with you? What is Jesus going to do with you? There will be a crowd of them in Matthew 7. He'll say, they'll say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and thy name cast out? De-? He'll say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I'm going to make a little announcement about the resurrected Son of God. He's not a long-haired hippie dude wearing flip-flops, wearing a WWJD bracelet, wanting to high-five you. He ain't a contemporary Jesus. He ain't a hippie Jesus. He ain't a sissy Jesus. I tremble in fear to ever mock Him. I'd never mock Him, make light of Him, drag His name through the mud in front of the world. God help us. He's the Son of God sitting right on the other side of that blue veil. And I got news for you. When he comes back, there won't be nothing to joke about. What are you going to do with Jesus? What's Jesus going to do with you? I got news for you. You give him your life tonight, you might be amazed at what Jesus does with you. 
Pastor, let me say a word about a rock altar and a youth group having revival. It ain't so this community can have plumbers and carpenters. I was raised by men who believed in the Great Commission and had a vision to preach the gospel to every creature. And a real revival always results in foreign missions. Always. The only way you ever had revival is the Holy Ghost came by. Something and somebody came to you. When God come by and scoops you up, it ain't so y'all can hear Granny shout. Even though I like to hear Granny shout. It ain't so you can enjoy a little thrill up your spine and talk about how your church is more spiritual than everybody else's. That needs for you. Nobody's more spiritual than anybody else. We're carnal. We're flesh. We're wicked. End of story. End of story. It takes grace and mercy to help any of us. If there's any holiness and righteousness and goodness and glory ever runs through here, it'll be in spite of us and not because of us. God means to pick up these youngins and take them somewhere and do something in His kingdom. What can Jesus do with you? I want to come back to my first question. What are you going to do with Jesus? I'm going to walk through this chapter as the Holy Ghost nudges me and see what some people did with Christ at Calvary. Number one is Judas. In verse 3, Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. And brought again the 30 pieces of silver. I promise you, whatever you sell him out for, there will come a day you'll come back weeping and wish you could trade it back in. I need y'all to help me. There will come a day you'll wish to God you had never traded him in and sold him out. Esau wept with a bitter cry. Honey, when he lost his blessing over that dumb bowl of stew. Whatever you trade in spiritual for something fleshly, there'll come a day that you'll cry with a bitter cry. A bitter cry. A bitter cry. Judas sold our Savior out for 30 pieces of silver. Verse 4 saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, and here's what them friends will act like, what is that to us? See thou to that. Honey, and they spent all the prodigal son's money. They didn't give a rip. Let me tell you what Satan and his crowd does. They'll give you your 15 minutes of fame, but when they're done with you, they'll walk out on you. That scum punk of a boy gets done with your body. He'll find him another floozy somewhere and run off with that gal. You better bear yourself up on an altar. Wait for God to send the will of God to your life. Girls, save yourself for the man of God. Some little punk down here at the drive through 
sitting out in the hood of his truck with a little shark tooth and a gold chain, three buttons unbuttoned. Let me tell you something about them cool boys. They ain't cool and they ain't hot. They stupid and they wicked and they're from hell and they'll take you to hell. Thank God for these boys. Seems like you gotta wear khaki pants and brogan boots to hang around this crowd. I like it. That's better than little old WWJD bracelets and little girly flip flops. Little Justin Bieber haircuts. Can I get a witness in this place? Little old queerified Justin Bieber. Hollywood straight out of hell. MTV. Ungodly reprobate. Bunch of little sissy Solomites. Give us some men. Give us some men. Give us some men. That a shout out for God. That 30 pieces of silver will never be worth it. That 30 pieces of silver will never be worth it. That 30 pieces of silver will never be worth it. Whatever the world's trying to brag you with, whatever hell's trying to seduce you with, it'll never be worth it. Fast cars and hot girls and loud music. Lots of friends and lots of money. That's what Satan offered the Son of God. But the Son of God said, My Father has got a cross for me. I'm going to bear my cross because I love my Father. Judas. Judas. When he saw. Honey, he wasn't sorry for his sin. He's sorry that he got on the wrong end of the stick. He thought Jesus was taking over in a revolutionary political government. And he thought he was going to get the money from the crowd that was actually going to lose. He thought he was going to pocket some money on a side bribe and get a throne with Jesus. I'm going to say a little word and maybe help some of my fellow men of God in here who wrestle with this money and this faith thing. Preachers ain't never had no money. God wants them to be rich in faith. There's twelve disciples and one Savior. And between the thirteen of them, they had to go down to the river bank, go to God's bank and find a coin in a fish's mouth just to pay one bill. You don't need the world's money. You don't need money. You need manna. God said the silver's mine. The gold is mine. You go with God. Don't take anything extra. I'll take care of you. Thought he was going to play both sides. He thought it was a win-win situation. But anytime you listen to hell, it's a lose-lose situation. Look in verse 3. When he saw that he was condemned, he said he repented himself. You understand if he had repented his sin... He could have got right with God, but he didn't repent in sin. He repented himself. That's why you can't find this crowd after about Brother Stiltner, Brother Rollins, Brother Simpson. I don't know if there's any other pastors here. That's why you can't find that crowd that come in with such a crash and a noise. 
falling all over the altar. Thirty people helping for three months get right with God and they absolutely tear the walls down. But just as soon as everything's fine again, they're gone. You can't find them with a good coon dog. Not even one of my brother's coon dogs. You couldn't find them with the FBI, the GBI, the ABI. You, I'll tell you why. They never did repent of their sin. They repented of their self. It was hurting them. It was not convenient for them anymore. They were in a bad way, in a bad shape. You ought not repent yourself. You ought to repent your sin. Saul repented himself when he is confronted by the prophet. What meaneth the bleeding of these sheep? He blamed everybody around him and said, Please don't take away my kingdom. He was sorry for himself. But David, when confronted by his prophet, Thou art the man. He didn't repent himself. He didn't blame other people and try to hang on to his kingdom. He just said, I have sinned. We are eat up with the epidemic in our church of helping people get saved and helping people get right with God. And they never do repent. They never do have a godly sorrow and a godly repentance. And they never repent over their sins. Honey, the Holy Ghost helped me be sorry for my sin. The Holy Ghost has helped me hate my sin. God can do to me whatever He sees fit. I'm sorry for my sin. If He needs to crush me and dump me in the corner as a pile of dust, whatever he, anything He does is better than what I deserve. Honey, and here, repent your sin instead of yourself. Judas, what did he do with Christ? He sold him out for money. Love of money is still the root of all evil. Apostle James said, be careful when a rich man comes in your midst. Everybody bowed before him, licks their boots. Poor man comes in and they kick him aside to get to that rich man. Can I get a witness right there? I pastored three million, four millionaires in my little swamp church from age 21 to 29. And I'm not trying to sound noble or macho, but I really never did give a rip flip. And they really enjoyed that. They enjoyed that. One of them told me later, he's in charge of the Army Corps of Engineers. He's in Florida revamping the Everglades on houses all over the south. I crawled up on his pew and grabbed his ears and breathed fire down his throat just like I did the rest of them. He said, thank you for not treating me no different. I said, you ain't no different. He said, I know I'm not. And I'm glad to find a pastor that wasn't scared of me because I had money. I said, you ain't got money. God's got the money. He said, I know it and thank you. It went well with two of them. It went bad with two of them. Couldn't be bought and couldn't be bribed. Just never was interested. I was raised by an old crazy man of God who left everything when I was three, launched out of the deep. And all he ever wanted was God and all I ever wanted was God. I never did get the L in there. Gold never came in the picture. 
It wasn't about gold. It was about God. That's all I know. That's all I know. He said, I have sinned and that I have betrayed thee. Circle the word thee. Innocent blood. Do you know that's the only version in your Bible? Or, excuse me. That's the only Bible? The King James Bible is the only one retained that little singular article, the? The NIV, the RSV, and I'm glad I don't know all the, the 79 other versions down there at the charismatic bookstore. You ain't going to find the one of them that says the innocent blood. All of them say I have betrayed innocent blood. But the King James Bible, thank you, and tell every liberal preacher you know and his contemporary friends, if they all get on top of a tall building, I'll shove them off backwards and be glad to video it and mail it to their grandma. I'm sick and tired of a liberal generation taking this generation to hell on a bunch of little old silly mush. You're helping everybody go to hell in America with your little silly contemporary philosophies. I have sinned and I have betrayed the innocent blood. I'm glad for the blood of Calvary. I'm glad for the blood of Jesus. We figured out yesterday morning that last generation bringing up the rear, that's the caboose and the caboose is always red. Judas sold him. I'm going to walk quickly through these maybe. Number two is Pilate. What did Pilate do with Jesus? i tell you what he done. He asked the crowd what they thought he should do and he did whatever the crowd said. Can I get a witness right there? You'll go to hell following the crowd. Verse 11, Pilate said, Art thou the king of the Jews? Verse 13, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word. Come down to verse 17. Whom will ye that I... Honey, any time you cater to the crowd, you're going to end up on the wrong side of things. Any time you cater to the crowd, you're going to end up on the wrong side of things. I don't believe a pastor ought to be a dictator or an idiot. If he's a man of God, he can't be those things. Holy Ghost won't let him, and he don't want to be. But I promise you one thing. You better go to church where a man of God runs the place. You better go to church where Moses is in charge. You better go to church where Elijah's in charge. You better go to church where a man of God's in charge. Don't come in on Sunday morning testing the winds. Worrying about a business meeting and a silly Baptist vote. Can I get a witness right there? Honey, you better go to the house of God where a man of God's in charge. My first Sunday in that little swamp church, that thing, it started in the 1800s. They had a clock back there the size of a Volkswagen hanging back there. It was a golden calf. They worshipped that clock. They bowed to that clock. They prayed to that clock. They looked upon that clock one hour every Sunday morning. My first Sunday there, I climbed up on two metal chairs, ripped it out of the wall, tore up sheetrock and wires hanging everywhere. Hauled it to the dump and throw it in. Never asked nobody permission. And they all come in the next day looking at it. I said, I'm up here. I ain't sure what y'all looking at. I'm up here. Somebody said, where'd that clock go? 
I said, I heard somebody threw it away. <laughs> I did. I heard that. I heard it when it fell out of my truck into that dumpster. You should have heard it. Oh, catering to the crowd. Catering to the crowd! Catering to the crowd. What you going to do with Jesus? Number three, Pilate's wife. Look at her. Look at her in verse 19. I love what she did with Jesus. Verse 19. Pilate, when he was set down on the judgment seat. Woo! That's where some of you are tonight. Hey! That's where some of you are tonight! God's brought you to a Monday night revival and you're sitting on the hot seat. They say that Pilate went crazy over the next ten years and went and hanged himself. It took him ten years. A two men in this chapter that committed suicide. And it was the two men who had to make a decision about Jesus. Y'all look at me just for just a second. We are a suicidal nation. We are a suicidal nation. There's a black demonic spirit of oppression that comes with all the witchcraft being let loose in this hour. Every other book is Harry Potter and the witch and, and vampires and twilight. Every other video game's got demons and devils crawling through it. And fairies and Cinderella and Snow White and every, every other thing Disney World's pumping out is full of hell and full of demons. There is a black spirit of oppression that accompanies the spirit of Antichrist that's taken over this nation, taken over this very planet in this hour. There is a black spirit of oppression on the church, on the community, on this nation, on the planet. It's a dark, demonic hour. Was that Brother Jared two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we was all in Bible camp? And then we all got together at the preacher boys meeting. We had all them suicide testimonies one morning. Seventeen year old girl stood up. Been wrestling with suicide all last year. That little purple haired girl with a diamond stud in her nose. Been looking at killing herself. The little skinny girl next to her, Jared. I won't call her name, but what am I? She's been cutting herself. I'm going to say something on a Monday night. I've been playing with lesbianism. She had been cutting herself. And suicide. How many of that morning, Brother Jared, one after another? Suicide, suicide. Two men committed suicide in this chapter. And they were the men who came close to Christ and made a choice to reject Him. Knowing what they were doing. Judas committed suicide immediately because he'd been with him a long time personally. If you, ha, if you know Jesus on an intimate and close level, you cannot walk away and retain a sound mind for no time at all. You will lose your mind if you've ever held Him. Rub elbows with Him. Embraced Him. Walked with Him and talked with Him. You can't leave Jesus and keep a sound mind. 
change your mind. It took Pilate a long time to end up finally killing himself because he only knew him a little while. America is a suicidal nation tonight because we once were a nation who held him. Held him close. Honored him, revered him, respected him, loved him. And whether they were a bunch of deists or not, they were having church. And whether everybody was born again or not, this nation was founded on a little bunch that got in a boat and got over here and said we're looking for somewhere to have the freedom to worship our God, read our Bible, and bend our knees in prayer. America's had Christ. America's held Christ. Come out of World War II. Went from being a nation of farmers to a nation of factories. Quit praying. Women left the home and the nation lost her mama. Started smoking cigarettes, wearing tight breeches and working on the assembly line. And that's when they, that's when they learned they could divorce their husband and get somebody else's. I said that's when they learned they could divorce their husband because they liked somebody else's on the assembly line. America's lost her mamas. And then that was in the 50s and in the 60s, lost her morality. The old preachers tried to tell us Elvis Presley and the Beatles are bringing in a horde from, of hellish demons that you ain't never seen. And the communists said, we'll take over this country without firing a shot. We'll change her culturally. And take her over politically when we take her over morally. Rock and roll music brought in Honey, everybody started taking off their clothes and taking off their standards of decency. Got high on dope, run with the hippies in the late 60s and the 70s. And in the 80s and the 90s, here comes the heavy metal and here come the big bad demons you ain't never seen before. And now our kids don't know if they're a man or a woman. A boy standing here don't even know if he's a human or a monkey. Don't know if, and a girl don't even know if she's a woman or a man. What you gonna do with Christ? Tell you what you gonna do with Christ. You'll lose your mind. You walk away from Him. If you knew Him for just a moment, you'll lose your mind. It'll take a little longer. But if you knew Him intimately and closely and walk away from Him, honey, it'll be no time. You'll have lost your ever loving mind. What are we gonna do with Christ? He was on the judgment seat. I know exactly why there wasn't no running and shouting. Because God didn't want no running and shouting tonight. He dropped it in my heart deep. I appreciate you having the discernment not to get nervous about it. and appreciate Brother Jared having the discernment not to get nervous about it. You boys better wait on God's glory whenever He wants to. Sometimes He wants to pour out the judgment and save a bunch of lost people and sanctify a bunch of worldly people and, and purify His bride and get her right where He can love on her and she don't stink like Egypt, but she smells the sweet incense of Solomon's bride. He's on the judgment seat. And his wife, his wife sent to him and warned him. The Holy Ghost was troubling her. I want to stop and throw a spell for a minute and thank God for some godly women. 
I want to go on record and thank God for my precious wife who got saved and full of the Holy Ghost and turned into a prayer warrior and a tough-as-not preacher's wife. Oh yeah. She ain't never blinked twice. She's went with me through hell backwards three times and we'll be heading back for some more before we get to glory. And she ain't never wobbled on the axle. I thank God for my bride. That's a good thing to do, men. Love your wife. At the house and at the house of God. There ain't hardly any women left that know how to be a godly wife and a godly mama and a godly woman. The, the role models have disappeared. The role models have disappeared. There ain't hardly four ladies left in this nation and these girls, all they know to do is do like all this outfits are doing. Raise hell, act like hell, run with hell, be full of hell. There ain't no heaven in that. There ain't no heaven in that. His wife warned him. You youngins better pray long and hard in these days that God spare you and send you the right one. Girls, don't turn 19 get tired of this. Don't turn 21 and get weary of this. And be like the younger women that Paul dealt with in Timothy and said after they've begun to wax wanton against Christ, they run off. Thank God for some godly women. Son, I, I've had some godly women influence. I've, had, I've got a godly mother. Knows about a prayer closet. Knows about holiness. Knows about separation. My mama loves her Bible. Girls, you better get in that Bible. Girls, you better get in that Bible. That Bible will separate you from a bunch of silly women who'd like to ruin your marriage because they ain't got one. If you want me to start ticking off the names of friends I got, whose wife got around a gaggle of silly women and then turned into one. And because they all divorced theirs and they all slept around and they all thought the world was a lot more impressive than the church, she started acting like them and they lost them. Thank God for a godly woman. My mother's mother, Frida Bird, Frida... Bird before she married my papa, and her name became Belle. She went from being a bird to a bell. <laughs> That's funny. She grew up in an outfit full of atheists, artists, scientists, doctors, congressmen. On that bird side of the family, the first governor of Tennessee, one of my direct grandfathers, maybe going back seven greats, I'm not sure. They were all highly successful in this world. They were like the lineage of Cain. They were various doctors and artists and politics and governors, but there was no God. My mama's mama, she's 12 years old. 
the little one-room schoolhouse where they pledged to the flag and read the Bible and had prayer. Somebody say amen right there. And at the fall revival, they carried them from the schoolhouse to the little church house. America's gone, ain't she? And that little school teacher, you know what? Everybody in the school got saved. There wasn't but 25, 30 kids. They all got saved but her. She wasn't allowed to go to the meeting. Her daddy wouldn't allow her. And the little teacher took her. Took her after class in that middle of that fall revival. She said, Frida, stay behind this morning. I want to talk to you. I said, I know all the other kids got to go to the meeting and everybody's saved but you. Took a Bible, got on her knees, and my grandma got saved. Let, let the ACLU stick out in her pipe and smoke it till it, till it comes out in her ears. She got up on Sunday morning and put on a little cotton dress. Stood out on the front porch. Her daddy come out there. Where are you going? She said, Daddy, I got saved. And I want to walk to the church house. He took a leather strap and beat the dress half off her. Left her in the dust in the front yard bleeding. Hey, folks, the good old days wasn't all that good to everybody. There's a lot of mean men got away with a lot of things back in the woods in the old days. You old timers know. Sinners have always been wicked. Hell's always been hot. Cain killed Abel and they wasn't a dirty magazine anywhere. They wasn't a beer joint. They wasn't a Hollywood movie. They wasn't even a Baptist fussing. One got saved and his brother murdered him for it. It's always been tough to live for God. This half of us ain't living for God. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you ain't being persecuted, you ain't godly. Beat the dress nearly off of her. Brother Jamie and Brother Simpson. Mama carried her back. They were all scared of him. Waited till he is done. It's lightning and thunder out there. That's pretty appropriate. Pretty appropriate for what God sat down in here to do tonight. If these lights go out, I'm gonna keep preaching. Is that a, is that a deal? Somebody get a flashlight and a candle. I'm gonna keep preaching if the lights go out. Last time they went out on me, I was preaching on hell. I didn't quit preaching then either. Next Sunday, her mama took her in the house and put that old-timey salve on her back, stitched that dress up. Next Sunday, she got, I'm talking about a 12-year-old girl, got up and put that dress on and went back to the front porch and just waited on her beating. Where are you going? I got saved, Daddy. 
I want to go to that meeting. I want to go to the church. They took the same leather strap and beat the same dress off her back and left her in the same dust. Hebrews said that some of you have not yet resisted unto blood, but some have. Tell y'all something, there's a reason that God let me go around America and preach. There's a reason God lets Jonathan McNeese go around the country and preach. There's a reason Jason McNeese is pastoring in Virginia. There's a reason Chad McNeese, associate pastor in South Carolina. There's a reason Alicia McNeese married a missionary and pastoring in Colorado. There's a reason little sister graduated from Bible college teaching a Christian school. There's a reason we're living and drinking honey out of the rock, oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kind, and the fat off the breed of base. You bunch of white people, wake up and help me. There's a reason. It's because somebody back there took a stand on the front porch and shed their blood for the Lord Jesus. Every strap on her back. Holy Ghost said that'll be Dean. That'll be Jonathan. That'll be Jason. That will be Chad. That will be Lamar. That all these preachers. That's all she had was a bunch of preachers. That will be Randy. That will be John. That will be Nathan. I, you bunch of white people. Guy, I'm going to hurt somebody if y'all don't hit me. All y'all do is whine and fuss. About the temperature in the church. You don't like the way the new seats sit as well as the old seats. You don't really understand why they don't ask you to sing more often. You want to grumble and grab it the preacher and shook your hand in three Sundays? Won't you get on top of my tall building? I'm pushing all liberals, reprobates, modernists, grumblers, backbatters, whiners, and idiots. We're pushing them all off next Saturday. Four o'clock. Third Sunday. Stitched her little dress, salved her little back. She's standing on the front porch. He come out on the front porch. Go on. He tired of beating. She took her little Bible. Stepped out on a trail that I'm still walking on tonight. <laughs> Cause some godly woman knew who he was and willing to pay a price and willing to stand up for Jesus. What you gonna do with Christ? What you gonna do with Christ? I'm gonna hasten to the conclusion. There's Barabbas in verse 26. He went free as Jesus went to his cross. I'm going to run that by you again. Y'all are so white. I said he went free while Jesus went to his cross. Barabbas, don't you know he's getting out of Dodge. 
Somewhere on a hill right outside Jerusalem, we turn around and back and look at the man going up the hill to die on the cross that was his. I don't know what he thought, but I know what I thought. I'm free. That man's dying in my place. And I'm free. In the Old Testament, they took two turtle doves, killed one, sprinkled the blood on the, of him on the other, and dipped that other in his blood with oil and set him free. One died. The other got covered in his blood and got to fly away free. Can I get a witness right there? We had no boy in our church. I had over 25, I had around 25 young preachers at one point in our church that God called in that place. Everybody had a nickname. He loved that story so much. Every time we got together, he'd go to weeping and preaching, telling all of us about them two birds. That was his thing. We named him Old Brother Two Birds. Hallelujah. Barabbas. He looked on that hill and said, That man's dying in my place. Somebody tonight ought to look back at Calvary and thank him for dying in their place. What are you going to do with Jesus? Number five, there's Simon of Cyrene. Verse 32, him they compelled to bear his cross. What you going to do when you're just standing in the crowd? Don't really know who he is, don't really know why you're there. And they stop right in front of you. They stop right in front of you in the cross of Jesus. They grab a hold of you and say, we need you to carry his cross. Brother Bud, I know your testimony well enough to know it's the opposite of mine. Prison. Lost. Wicked. Moonshiners and brawlers. But one day they stopped right in front of you and that cross fell. Just somebody in the crowd. What you going to do when they stop right in front of you and say, you, get under the cross with him. See, some of you are saying, my grandma wasn't godly. My brothers ain't preachers. I ain't got no heritage. I'm slipping out of here and going to Waffle House and I ain't going to see y'all no more. What if the Holy Ghost just stopped right by you and said, I know you're just a nobody in the crowd. But I want you to get under his cross. He had a little boy named Rufus. You read Romans 16 and read him in the book of Acts. I looked up the name Rufus. The Bible names mean something. Smith's Bible Dictionary, the most common Bible Dictionary out there, said Rufus, a red drop. A red drop. A red drop. Pastor, may I use this flag? I'm going to wrap it up here so it don't touch the ground. I need a little feller. Brother Brian, let's use one of your little girls. Are they okay with that? Don't want to embarrass them. Okay, we don't have to. Come here, son, right here, you little man. You right here. Brother Lindley, come here. 
standing in the crowd with his boy. Put your arm around that boy. Who's that boy's daddy? Jesus. Okay. Brother Huey here? All right. Y'all stand right here. Jesus bearing that cross. I believe he stumbled and he fell. They grabbed him up. This thing's preached two different ways. Some said that Jesus had to have help carrying his cross. Some said it was another form of mockery and torture. That for Brother Greg, come here. You're going to be the Lord Jesus. I want you to get under that thing right there and just over your shoulder. They put him under. Brother Lindley, you get right here. I believe that's how it looked myself. That little boy is tagging on. Just hold on to his hold on to his coattail, son. Just hold his coattail. You're gonna walk behind here. That man was pulled out of the crowd to get under the cross. And he had a little boy named a red drop. I believe they beat the blood, beat the back off of him. The cross was bloody. He drug it all that way. He come running down on daddy. And out of the sovereign providence of God, God just pulled one man out of the crowd. That blood, that bloody cross is on daddy. And I believe one drop. I believe this. One drop, son. So you're in that safe. You got a daddy got under that cross. One drop. And in Romans 16, he was one of the he was one of the main boys of the New Testament church. <laughs> I'm glad I had a daddy that got pulled out of the bars and the hell holes, got under the cross. And I was way back here, just a little fella, had a drop. Some of you mamas and daddies, God's are calling you to the cross. And we dally Alabama in the 2000s. He's calling you to get up, pulling you out of the crowd, to get under the cross. And you got youngins and grand youngins just hanging on to you. And that little red drop. I was a preacher's boy. I hated being in the spotlight. I hated being embarrassed. I hated half the Baptist. But God pulled your daddy out. He got under the cross. Don't you, son? You youngins, you laid out there in the sawdust, brother sawdust. They said you want to hold the sawdust up here to the sawdust, brother sawdust. He had a daddy that decided to love Jesus and love the preacher. That thing landed right on. You boys. God pulled your pastor out of the crowd. This boy right here is one of the finest preachers walking around in shoe leather. He's 
stay behind him. God's going to carry you and the wife to great places and do great things. That's why hell, after all the young couples, that drop of blood been on you youngins. These two little girls writing out my scriptures and bringing them to me. Mom was on the piano and daddy's faithful to God. They little red drop, they little Rufuses all over this place. What you going to do with Jesus? Take back up for me, Brother Bentley. Thank you. This thing keeps on going. There's more characters here. I like Joseph of Arimathea. Can I close in three minutes? Can I have three minutes? Joseph of Arimathea, what verse is he in? He come down and begged the body of Jesus. <laughs> you know who was at the cross? Just a handful of faithful women. I skipped over Mary Magdalene. She is the one who had seven devils. I tell you what she did with Christ. She wouldn't leave him even when they killed him. They killed him and she wouldn't leave him. She kept, she's one of them girls that kept, while the disciples were hiding in the upper room. Boy, what a fancy bunch of apostles. Hiding. But Mary Magdalene said, he cast seven devils out of me. You Roman soldiers and you Jewish leaders just talk to the Hebrew hand. She made daily trips. Them Hebrew girls must have had some hillbilly in them because nobody messed with them. They may have been a little red in that. A little weed-a-wee in them. I've been to the closest Walmart around here. You don't mess with women in this part of the country. There's some scary-looking things in this part of the country. Mary Magdalene said, I'm going to stay with him even though they killed him. What y'all going to do when it looks like God's dead? She loved him so much, she just stayed with him. They didn't believe he was rising from the dead. Nobody believed that. They just loved him so much, they wasn't going to quit on him. What are you going to do when these things die in your life? You're going to quit just because it ain't worked out? You're going to quit because it all seems like it's dead and done and over with? What he did for Mary Magdalene, she said, oh, he's dead, but he cast seven devils out of me. I ain't got nowhere else to go. I'll just hang out at his tomb. I like people who don't quit when it looks like hell's won. I said, I like hanging around people that don't need heaven to be shattered. Hell can be raging and they ain't going to quit. There's nothing there but poor women and one disciple named John. None of them had anything and here come one rich man. And John 19 said Nicodemus showed up. Joseph of Arimathea was a wealthy man. He said, I've got somewhere for his body to lay. And Nicodemus said, i got a hundred pounds of what you poor people don't. Spices and myrrhs and balm. You know what the old preacher told me? 
He said, son, you just keep hanging around Calvary with all them poor people. God will send a couple of rich men to finance the thing. You boys just hang out at Calvary. Just stay right there and hang out. There's a Joseph of Arimathea who come along and the Nicodemus who said, I met him one time back in chapter 3 of John. I'm closing on this. Joseph of Arimathea. The only man in your Bible we know of that carried the body of Jesus. The grown body of Jesus. Mary carried him as a baby. Joseph, Mary's husband, God was his father. Joseph probably carried him as a baby. But Brother Simpson, Brother Hewitt, Jared, y'all study that out. There's something there. The only two men that ever carried him was named Joseph. And the sweetest, most perfect type of Christ, Brother Song leader, in the Old Testament was Joseph. You boys study that out. Let me know what you find. Joseph of Arimathea is the only man who carried the grown body of Christ when God needed somebody to pick it up. I want to stop and say to all the men of this church, your pastors followed God by faith, launched out and built a big old ark for all the animals to be drawn into. This is the body of Christ. Won't you men be a Joseph of Arimathea, get under it and pick it up. This is his body. Every night, Brother Bud, I thank God I'm able to pick up the body of Christ and help carry it to glory. Carry it to the grave. What are you going to do with Christ? I'll say this, Pastor. I'm trying to quit, but I ain't really trying. All the ladies can do is stand by and weep and worship. That's their call in life. It took men to carry it and to bury it and to provide for it. Nicodemus brought the hundred pounds. He carried the hundred pounds that he could afford. But it was only because some faithful women were standing there and when Nicodemus opened that up, the women took and helped rub it on his dead body. You know what you're doing every time them fingers go up and down that keyboard? You're running that ointment over the precious body of Christ. You know what you do every time, pastor's wife, that you kneel and you cover the floor with tears and hold your husband's arm up? That's the body of Christ that you're anointing. Every time my wife gets back in that car, cleans up them kids, holds up her house. She takes care of the other side. Nobody sees. So I can come out here and do this and everybody sees. She is ministering to the body of Christ. Rubbing ointment and oils and spice on it. But Joseph and Nicodemus and John 
got to do what only the men can do. You show me a church where the women are the dominant spiritual ones. She's way out of whack and she'll be charismatic in just a minute. You show me a home where the woman's the spiritual leader. She's way out of whack. And and probably she has to be. But it still crushes her. What you going to do with Christ? Brother Jared, you get on the piano, son. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart, I do want you to sing. I want you all to bow your heads. What are you going to do with Christ? I want everybody to stand. I wonder how many of us ought to get on this altar and do business with God tonight. Our heads are bowed all across this building. How many young people help me pray for revival? How many preachers have helped me pray for our churches? How many of them godly women we got in the building? What are you going to do with Christ? I want to love Him myself. I want to serve Him. I want to please Him. I want to worship Him. I want to preach for Him. I want to live for Him. I want to glorify Him. I want to minister to Him. I want to give Him praise. I want to praise Him publicly in front of this world, in front of this generation. I want to preach Him. Oh God, Brother Jared, you sang a while, son.